Before I begin today, I do why, why don't you turn to this passage of scripture in Habakkuk. I know y'all got to go to the table of content for that one. It's no problem. Just glad you're going. Uh, but go to Habakkuk. While you're doing that, the book of Habakkuk, uh, best way to go to that book, if you don't want to look at your table of content, is to go to Matthew and work your way to your left in the Bible, and you will come to Habakkuk. Um, before I begin the day, I do want to um, let you all know that Pastor Maiden, uh, and Siobhan and help me to remember this, uh, um, he, the mass that he talked about while he was here during the prayer revival, they said it had diminished so small that they didn't need to do surgery. So <laughs> prayer works. Prayer works. That's why you don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. It's part of the message today. A good example of that is we don't quit praying. I mean, not like how long God takes, but it is his sovereign will to do what he chooses to do, but we just can't quit doing what we are supposed to do. Let's look at Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 5. I also want you to pray about something. And this is going to be a challenge that I hope you don't see any different kind of motives in it, but just honestly, a pastor who wants to do a good job. We can't be the church if the church isn't here. It's difficult. It's difficult to serve. It's difficult for the spiritual gifts to work. It's difficult for that. Um, so pray this year that God will, I want you to all pray that God would bring his church back or build a new one. So I pray that you would do that. I'm not going to stop, not going to fight people by stopping live streaming because there's some people that benefit from that and there are people all around the country and around the world that look at us. So I don't want to stop what God has blessed. When God put his hand on something, you don't get in the way. You just trust him. You don't create results. You just stay obedient. But um, I do pray that you would join us in that prayer. The prayer ministry would do that because this year we got to get back to church. We got to do what God called us to do as a church. We got to be the church for the glory of God. And I don't want this church to become one of the failing churches of Revelation. We have to be what God called us to be. You can't have church without people here. That's, that's an oxymoron. The word ecclesia in Greek means the assembling of believers. So the word church means to assemble. It doesn't mean that, it means that first. So to not assemble and say I had church is an oxymoron. That's not what church is. It's just not church, you know. So um, I pray that we will get back to fellowshipping, get back and invite, I mean, get the deacons out and fellowship with them and the elders. Get back to doing what God has called us to do. If you feel uncomfortable and wear a mask, don't challenge somebody's faith on that. Don't do that. Uh, some people have health issues. And some people, this virus is still alive. There's still hundreds of people dying every day. So it hasn't gone away. And I'm not going to lie to you to make you feel a certain way. Now, let's look at chapter 1, verse 1. It's a lot better. I mean, obviously, it's not as many people dying. 
So we don't have 50,000 people dying in a small period of time. So obviously the, vi the vaccine, whether we believe in it or not, has made a difference. Okay? It has. Without the vaccine, a million people died. With the vaccine, there's less people. So no matter how you argue about it, it made a difference. In verse 1 of chapter 1 of Habakkuk, it says, The oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw, keyword saw, How long, O Lord, will I call for help? And you will not hear. I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Look among the nations. Observe. Be astonished. Wonder. Because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe if you were told. And he continues to tell him in the rest of the chapter. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word because nothing that is happening in this time you have not given us a preview of. There's no new tricks that Satan has. So God, you can tell us what's going to happen. I pray, God, that you help us to have the heart to believe, the heart to trust. So we ask you, God, that this word would be clear today. And that you, O oh Lord, would be blessed by the way we respond as good soil. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How many times have you felt this to pray? You've gone to God, you've cried out to God, you've called on God. You have sought God for so many things, family issues. You've sought God for so many things, health issues. You've sought God for so many things, issues on jobs where you feel that you have been mistreated, where you've been treated unfairly. How many times have you prayed and you feel like God is dragging his feet? God may be delayed, but he's not being in denial about what we need. God is not denying the needs that we have. He's not eliminating us from, re from responding to us for the needs that we have. That's not it. God may delay, but he's not in denial or he's not denying us. The, the issue is that we face today is will we trust God when he needs to be trusted? Please understand. I see the violence. We've had a four years. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not a political person. I'm a biblical person. We've had four years prior to this administration of a lot of stuff. A lot of court hearings and a lot of stuff in Congress, one struggle after the next in Congress, one hearing after the next hearing. The January 6th hearing is still before the Justice Department. We've just been trauma. The Jewish community has seen more violence in the last several years than they've ever seen for a long time. We've watched police violence being exposed. More and more and more as people have been able to acquire cameras that have phones that have cameras on them. We've seen more hate in the last several years, more violent hate 
in the last several years that has been a part of the few years since the 1960s. We've watched it. The church has been a part of it. The church has voted for, uh, for, for a particular candidate because of their commitment to homosexuality and against homosexuality and against abortion. And they've gone that route 100%, especially with the access to the White House that they've had. The evangelical community has gone that route, fighting for the moral excellence of this country and blind their eyes to the fact that in the Bible, there's only three reasons that God destroys a nation. God destroys a nation in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll give you the examples. He destroys a nation because he said that in the same way that he will destroy the earth, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. In the last days, homosexuality will grow. And it will become more and more proliferate. And God is saying, I'm going to fight against that. Why? Because homosexuality fights against the very premise upon which he established the earth. And that is for sex to be attached to multiplication. That's why we have to do so much to stop it. Because it was built on first multiplication. I made them male and female to be fruitful and multiply. So if you switch that, then you're affecting the fundamental thing that God established the earth with. And that is for people to be families. He established people to be families. So he, because that is the fundamental thing upon which he built this planet and which he established this planet, to go against that is to go against the fundamental thing that God established and that is man and woman creating tribes and those tribes multiplying into nations. So it is a reason when this earth continues to do that, Romans chapter 1 is what's in my mind right now, that he will destroy the earth the same way he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. In the last days, he will rain down fire and he will burn up the heavens and the earth, the immediate heavens and the earth will be fireballs coming on it. That's what the Bible teaches. So you see that. Malachi chapter 4 would talk about a father who does not turn his heart towards his children. And because he doesn't turn his heart towards his children, I will curse the land. He talks about that. He talks about injustice. And this is what we see in this text today. That for a lack of justice in a nation, Zephaniah will talk about it in the very next book. For lack of justice, he will destroy a world. Just for a lack of justice. Why is that? To be in justice is to go against the very nature of God. The very nature of God is to multiply. You see him multiplying mankind, multiplying animals. You can cut down all the bushes in the forest and somehow you give it about five, ten years and you see trees coming back up. God is an author of life, so he multiplies. That's why homosexuality goes against his very core because he's, it doesn't multiply anything. So that's why it goes against his core. So you have, when he looks at fathers not caring for their children, that damages the multiplication process. And then when he sees injustice, he's a holy God. So if, since you're a holy God, you can't sit back as a holy God and watch injustice and say nothing. And that's why Habakkuk in this passage is struggling and is struggling deeply. He is struggling because he is a musician in the temple. He's a musician. He's in the temple. He's a, he's a person who is a poet. And he's been in the temple and he's serving as a musician. He's been doing that because he's of the family of the Levite family. And he's descended from that family. And he's a passionate man about what is taking place in the temple and in the city surrounding him. The, the, the bad thing about this 
that is traumatic for, for Habakkuk is the fact that he is watching God's people behave this way. It's not about the non-Christian people, put it in our context. It's not about the non-churchgoers in this context. Who Habakkuk is talking about is the Christian people. He's talking about the Jews. He's talking about the Jewish nation of Judah. In the, going around watching the people and functioning. So they come into the temple, they go back out the temple and they behave this way. And he has to play the piano and in their case is a harp and, and they have cymbals and they have different things that they would use in their day. And he's playing this, this music and he most likely is a person who led, who led the worship service in his day. And he's watching people singing to God. He's watching people coming in and listening into the synagogues because after, after the time of the Babylonian exiles, they developed synagogues and the temple was rebuilt because of the priest of Haggai and Zechariah. And the temple was rebuilt. And now that the temple is rebuilt and reestablished, they're coming into the temple, they're going to the synagogues to hear the reading of the word of God. They did not have the Bibles like we have. So they would go into the synagogues. And when they sit in the synagogues, as you would see Jesus do, Jesus went into the synagogue. He picked up Isaiah and he read Isaiah because he's a rabbi. And that's how they would do it because they didn't have Bibles like we have them so proliferately. We can have Bibles everywhere. So they were going to the synagogues, they would sit there and listen to the reading of the scriptures. So they have synagogues where they would listen to the reading of the scriptures and they would come to church where they would come to the temple and where they would see the temple's sacrifices, etc. And he's watching this and it is breaking his heart because he's crying out to God and it seems like God is silent. And so Habakkuk leads us into this, this dialogue between him and God, this struggle he's having between him and God. And God leads him, leads him to write this text to show us this battle, this struggle that is taking place. As God continues to lead us, he would talk about this issue of injustice that I talked to many of my evangelical friends and I said, that's the reason why I have a struggle with you. I have a struggle with you because you don't bring it up. I have a struggle with you because you're glad, you're quick to acclimate to the particular party where you get the homosexuality and, and um, abortion issue addressed, but you never fight for the issue of injustice. You don't fight for it. You don't say anything when you know that these are, this is one of the reasons that God would destroy a nation and he would destroy the church for not doing it. He will go against the church for not doing that, for not speaking against it, for not standing up and saying something for it. He would speak against the church. And this is what God's response is. You got this dialogue going on of this worship leader and God having this conversation and God decides to get into the dialogue. And I want you to see how this play, how this dialogue is working out when we first look at the fact that it's not that God is silent. The simple thing is that God is not absent when he's silent. He's not absent when he's silent. God may be silent because God's silence is so loud, we just don't listen. God's silence is loud. We just don't listen. We, we want God to speak because we're human beings. When God speaks in different forms and in different ways, God speaks very loud. All the time he does. In more fashions than you would believe it. Believe right now. 
You know, we, we sit back and we look at what's taking place in Turkey and these different places, and there are more and more frequent earthquakes taking place. Is God not speaking? Yes, he is. He's talking loud. We're just not listening. There are wars and rumors of wars. There's 26 skirmishes of wars around the world right now. Isn't God speaking? Yes, he is speaking. There's all kinds of parents are turning against children, children against parents. Is God not speaking? Yes, he is speaking. We just are not listening because we don't listen to the voice of the text. We're waiting for God to come in the bathroom. We're waiting for God to come when we're praying. We're waiting for visions and dreams. We're waiting for not to, we're waiting to hear from God because we don't want to do the work of listening. It's hard for us to listen. Listening is hard work. Listening is hard work. I've learned that just being married 42 years. Listening is hard work. A woman going to explain herself. And when she explains herself, I, I learned this in carrying the baby bag. That's where I learned this, in carrying the baby bag. When my wife asked me to pack the baby bag, my son could lift it. When she packed the baby pack bag, I have to lift it. She's putting in everything in there that she thinks can go wrong. I'm putting in everything in there that I think is needed. I got the pampers. I've got the lotion because she likes to lotion her kids down. I've got the wipes. I've got the bottle. And I'm done. No, she's got Tylenol. I'm saying we got a, we got a CVS up in this bag. We got, she got all this stuff in the bag, and she got a change of clothes just in case there's a blowout. I ain't thinking about no blowout. I'm thinking, hey, he just put in his pampers on. He'd be naked for that day. You know, he's going to make it home. We're going home. But she got a case for a blowout. She don't even have one case of a blowout. She got two or three cases of a blowout. She got this clothes, that clothes. Just in case he gets cold, I could put him in her overalls. If he, it gets warm, I could take off the overalls and put in some smaller, some lighter clothes. I'm going, what in the world? Why don't we just walk with the house? You know, this is ridiculous. And she got this bag, and I have to carry this bag, and it's got every possible situation in it. That's a different, that's what I learned. Women are different. They're different than men. Men just say, we got him. He good. We got some food. We can take care of it. We got some McDonald's on the way, you know. We, we said, no, we can't feed the baby all that stuff. The baby's going to grow up unhealthy, and we're going to teach him to eat unhealthy. She got all these different things. Men are different than women. I understand. So when I have to listen to my wife, it's work. Because I want to say that, hey, this, the bag is ready. I, she says, no, it's not. And in my mind, it is ready. No, it's not ready. What do you mean it's not ready? Now I have to ask questions. Listening is work. And when a wife decides to answer your question, when the wife decides to answer your question, uh, please understand that answer could be very long could be very long the reason why you have to put this in there is because of this. I don't want the reason just tell me put this piece of paper thing lay it out on the bed I'll pack it but my wife has to explain why it has to be in there no you have to take the milk and you have to put it over here because it could spoil by the time we get done I don't want the story give me the milk give me the place to put it in and stick it in the bag I don't need the long story but she got to tell her, and I said, well, what is the point of that? Don't dare ask any questions. That's what I've learned in my marriage. If you don't want to talk, ask questions, because you didn't have to talk at all. That's what I've learned. And then when you get a nice response, because now they feel heard. 
That's actually a trick I learned in my marriage. If I don't want, if I ain't got nothing good to say because of the conversation we're in, and I have nothing good to say because I'm getting really frustrated, the best way to handle all of it to not make it a problem is to ask questions. And she would keep talking and talking and talking and talking. And then I don't open my mouth and say the wrong thing. And when I don't open my mouth and say the wrong thing, and then she feels heard, then I get a big hug and a kiss. Thank you for listening. I wasn't trying to listen. I was trying not to talk. <laughs> Understand that many times it's not that God is not responding. It's that we don't want to go to the work of listening to God. The worst time that people go to the restroom is during the sermon. People want sermons to last 20 to 25 minutes. We don't want to listen. You, you, you tell people to go do their devotions, they would rather play music than do their devotions and read the Bible. I don't understand this thing anyway. It's got to be quick. When they read it, it's got to be something they grasp in two seconds. If they don't grasp it, they, then they walk away because Satan has trained us to be on television. And every few seconds, the television changes to some other side and some other shot. So he so trains us to, to not have to have a long sense of attention that when we come to church, we don't have the attention span because he's been training us all week not to have to have one. That's how Satan has distracted us from wanting to solidly study the word of God. He has made us have a short attention span. We don't need a long attention span. As a matter of fact, if people tell a person to sit back and do a court hearing where they got to go through all the details, folks fall asleep unless it's interesting because somebody murders somebody. Then we are really into it. It's interesting what our interests are. Understand it is hard to listen. It is, a, it is literally a discipline process. And Habakkuk is being forced when he exposes how he feels to have to listen to God. And God is going to force him to listen. And God is going to force him to have to understand. But I've learned in this text, if you don't have a passion for God, it is hard to even listen to God. If I don't have a desire for God, it is hard to listen. We have an appetite. We could sit back and watch movies that go on forever. There's some people that watch news channel after news channel for all day, all day in the name of, okay, let's move on. I, I, I don't get that. You know, you get the news, you move on, you go on about your business. You don't sit there all day. Okay, that's a sense of uh, sharing my frustration, but it just, I don't understand it. So we people look at the news and they spend time with the news and the people are lying to keep their ratings up and they still look at it. And they know they're lying. Fox News have just been exposed and never even agreed with the whole situation that the elections were corrupted. They, they got all these texts going back and forth and they're exposed on the news now that they're going back and calling the person all these different names because they don't agree with it. But on the news, they're sitting there going, it was a sham. Why? Ratings. We know these things exist, but we still stare at it. Uh, but when we come, God has to give us the, uh, the desire to hear him. No, 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 no. When we have a desire for something, we give it time. When we don't have a desire for something, we turn it off. What is you have in Habakkuk is that he has a passionate desire to hear from God and literally would go place himself. Look at chapter 2. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what, will, what he will speak to me. 
I ain't going nowhere. I am literally expecting God to answer me because I am a Jew. I am a person that is committed to God. I go to worship. I talk to God. I lead God's worship service. So until God speaks, I'm not going nowhere. That's passion for God. What we've lost today in the midst of all this horrific crimes and all this political partisanship and all the polarization that has taken place is a heart for God. The minute COVID came, it gave us an excuse not to even have a heart to be involved in worship. We would use Sunday now for sports. We would use Sunday now to go to the park. We go to Galveston, it's packed on Sunday morning. People are doing exactly what Romans chapter 1 says. They will love nature rather than they would love God. I never forget sitting with a neighbor one day and I said, man, why you don't go to church? Let's just tell me. You know I'm a pastor, so ain't nobody listening. Why you ain't going to church? He looked around and he looked at the trees and a little retention pond and stuff and he goes, hey man, this is my church. I experience God here. I see the birds. I get up Sunday morning. I sit on my porch and I see the birds. I see people walking. I see the trees. I see the sun. I see God. I said, do you realize you just repeated Romans 1? On your own initiative, on your own will, on your own desire, you just said that we are in the last days. What are you talking about? I said, I told you I'm a preacher, right? So you know you're sitting next to a preacher, right? Yes. What are you talking about? He said, in the last days, you would say exactly that. No, God didn't say that. It is right there. I read it if you want me to go get my Bible. I'm, we could have church now since you ain't going. <laughs> Understand. I said, you just repeated that. We don't have a passion for God. This man did, and that's why he could hear God. One of the reasons why we're so frustrated with the crime, frustrated with police violence, frustrated with the violence in our own community that we don't want to talk about. I, I get in trouble for that among a lot of African-American preachers. Y'all want to march when a white officer kills a black person. When are y'all going to march when we kill each other? When y'all start marching against crime in our communities, when y'all start marching against what we have problems in our own communities and start fighting against that, I'll join you when the white officer shoots somebody. But I'm not joining you until then. That's why they stopped calling me. I'm not joining until then. We got so much black on black crime. We, we, some of these officers come in here, they're scared. We don't look at that side of it. They're scared because we're killing one another. We got guns. We pack guns. We got them all over the place. And they're scared. Yeah, they're scared. Does that mean that they should come in and not do their jobs legitimately? Yes, they should come in. It doesn't legitimize them doing their jobs in the wrong way. But they come in scared because we're killing and shooting like crazy. That's who he's talking to. That's what I want to spend time on here today because we don't talk about that anymore. We don't talk about the church being corrupt. We don't talk about our own communities struggling and committing crimes. We don't talk about the fact that we are scared of each other. We walk around scared of each other. That's what we are. We see a black person getting an elevator, we scared too. That's why we move into the suburbs. Somebody asked me that one day. He says, well, you, you know, you, why y'all moving to the suburbs? Because we scared like you are. <laughs> we got more black on black crime than you have black on white crime. And that's the truth. That's why he says here in verse 2, how long, O Lord, will I call for help? 
How, I mean, how long do you, well, how, why are you so apathetic? Why are you so lackadaisical about responding to me and I'm your musician in your temple and you know I have a passion for you? Why do you take so long at doing what I'm calling you to do? You don't seem to care. You seem to see the, you see innocent people being killed and slaughtered. You're seeing the violence not only outside the temple courts but inside the church. You see the rich people oppress the poor. You see people who are struggling inside the temple courts and when they go looking for jobs people take take these poor people and oppress them you see this are you not doing nothing God how long do you wait before you act what does it take to get you to move that's what he's saying you, you, you don't see this just here follow me to Psalm you see the same thing in Psalm you're not the only one feeling this way you go to the psalm, he says, God, you're being insensitive. You're being indifferent. You don't seem to really care about what I'm going through. And I want you to, let me get a little, get a little uh, uh, language in here. He says, he says, listen to me, God. He says, God, hear me. He says, I said this in the past. You don't do nothing in the past. You're not doing nothing in the present. This is how it really is in their context when they use this thing, this word to cry out. This is what they're thinking. They're saying, hey, and God, I am completely committed to the fact that you don't care. There's no way you are loving God could tell me you care when you see this violence, when you see this corruption, when you see the injustice, when you see the court systems are, are corrupted to the rich, when you see the court systems are corrupted to those who have more influence than other people. When you see it, there's no way that you, a holy, rich, righteous God, could have cared so you completely don't understand. That's literally what he's saying when you look at the Hebrew mode. He's saying here, he's mad. He's frustrated. In Psalm 22, he says, my God, look at David the same way. My God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. I'm groaning to you, but my deliverance is like from here to New York. It ain't coming. He says, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are a holy God. That's why I say, look, no matter how, the people in the Bible that stayed focused were the people that even when they're frustrated, they didn't bring God down. They still kept him high. So even though he's saying this to God, look at how high he keeps God. He says, oh, yet you are holy. Oh, you who enthroned upon the praises of Israel and in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. That's how you keep your heart high. When your frustration is high, if you want to get depressed, take God down with you and you got no hope. So understand he's crying out. You see the same thing in, in the same chapter. Look at verse 19. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Come faster. Deliver my soul from the sword. My only life from the power of the dog. People were trying to destroy David. They hated it. They, they were jealous of him and they hated him. And you got the same thing here with Habakkuk. Habakkuk, back in Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk is persistent. That's why I kept saying passion. He's persistent. Passion. Passion makes you persistent. I see people that are, like I said before, there are people that watch the Texans play and there are people who are Texan supporters. The Texan supporters, whether they lose or win, they're still having the Lord's Supper in the parking lot. 
They are still doing it. It's a worship service, folks. It's structured for a worship service. I don't care how you look at it. Okay? When you have all the pregame meals, that's the Lord's Supper. Satan has to re, he, he, he literally recapitulates what God does. You got to pay to get into the game. That's an offering. You buy all this paraphernalia. That's an offering. And then you sing songs to the team. It's a worship service. <laughs> I don't know why we don't see that. It's, it's literally a worship service. So Satan reinvents a worship service and he gets us to have a passion for the football game. Okay? And that way, that's why we, he does it on Sunday morning. He's driving us to make a decision as to who we worship. So understand, understand. We have such a passion for that that we will do all these different things. All these different things because of that passion. It drives us. The only reason this is, watch this carefully, because he says it in verse 2. Will I cry for help? Where, is, where in this entire, well, it's not a big book. It's like three chapters. But where in this book do you see Habakkuk park himself and walk away from God? Nowhere. In chapter 2, I read it. He is going to get to the guard post, and he's going to stay in the guard post. What does that mean? There's a big tower on the walls because the people would come against the walls, and there's a big tower on the walls. He's saying, I'm going to the walls, and I'm going to sit in that high tower in the guard post, and I'm expecting you to respond what's going on in this city. So no matter how devastating his life may seem, no matter how frustrating the situation may seem, he doesn't leave the prayer meeting. How long do you stay in a prayer meeting when God does not seem to respond? How long do you stay? How often do you like the unjust widow, the widow and the unjust judge, how long do you keep going to God? About the same thing over and over again. Do you know what that shows implicitly? That God, I see that you are the only person that can answer this. So there's really no point in going to anybody else because you got the power to do what I need you to do. So God, there's really no point in going anywhere else. So since I'm going to recognize that you're God and you're king and you're Lord, the only place to be is with you, no matter how frustrated I am, how disappointed I am, that you don't respond how long I see you taking it doesn't matter because the only place I could go and park myself with any hope any possibility to see something happen is with you that's why Habakkuk never leaves from God he has a passion for God that makes him park himself and number two he has a dedication to God and never brings God down to his level and number three because he believes in God and trusts in God even though he's frustrated with God he's still on his knees before God how long do you stay how long do you stay you see the violence in our community how long do you stay how long how long do you stay Alan Butte would probably be tired of me because sometimes no matter how difficult things are at the center I said how could we move forward today he probably sick of, sick of me saying that but I said, he said, man, this is going on with the food or this. Okay, what do we, what could we do to move forward today? There's no stand, we either stand or forward, but we ain't running back. We ain't going to do nothing because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all I could ever ask or think. So either stand or forward, but we ain't going back. We're not going to stop here and let Satan give us all these difficulties and do nothing. We're going to find a way out of nowhere because my God could take five loaves, two fishes and turn it into a sandwich. 
My God could tell you where to find taxes in a fish's mouth. So when things are when things are rough, my faith should be high, not low. Because the God is the God is still the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He still reigns. I don't care how bad it looks, God is still in control. And that's why his prayer intensifies. In verse 2, his prayer intensifies. That's what shows commitment and dedication. Instead of him, he said not only did he stay, his prayer intensifies. Paul would talk about that. He says, pray without ceasing. Intensify your prayer. In other words, if God, you and Terry down a wall, guess what I'm going to do, God? I'm going to keep intensifying how I come to you. That's what you see right here in verse 2. He says, I cry to you. Violence! Oh, boy, I wish we could have these short prayers. You ask a preacher to pray, you think God needs some information he lacks. They'll give you a sermon when they're preaching. I never forget, uh, somebody asked me to pray. I went to a function and said, Cannons, man, this guy didn't show up. What'd you pray? I finished praying. He says, that's a prayer? I'm serious. I was sitting, he goes, that's a prayer? Cannons, that ain't no prayer. I said, okay, what is a prayer? He goes, man, you didn't say nothing. I said, I'm, I'm talking to somebody that know everything. Well, well I got to remind him. He doesn't forget nothing. <laughs> I mean... He doesn't forget anything. He knows everything. You ask me to pray for a particular purpose, and the Bible says to pray a petition. I got the purpose. I understand that what petition is about. I presented the petition to God. And not like he didn't hear it before I even got there because he already knew the petition before I ever got to it. So I presented the petition. He got the petition. I say in the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm done. What, what I got to say? What else I got to say? Sometimes our prayers are so long, I wonder if God even know what we're asking for. I'm serious. You know, some people, you hear them pray and you want to know, God, what, 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 what are they praying for? So I said, what is the petition? He makes the petition clear. God, I am, the word literally in, in Greek and Hebrew, cry out here means I'm horrified. That's what he's, watch it, watch it carefully. Watch it, watch it, come stick with me in the text. He says, how long, O Lord, will I call for help? Okay, I'm calling you. I'm going to pray to you. Watch the change. I cry to you. I am horrified. Because the more you, longer you wait, is the worse this gets. There are more people dying, innocent people dying. You said, how do you say innocent people? Look at it. He says it right here. He says in verse 4, the bottom part of verse 4, for the wicked surround the righteous. I'm watching them surround the people who are trying to live right more and more and more and more, more, crowding them more and more and more. So the more they live right is the more freedom the wicked has because it's the more vulnerable you make the, the righteous. Because the righteous, if, if a person, the Bible says, is an enemy, pray for them. So therefore, I'm vulnerable. If a person is an enemy, love them. I'm more vulnerable. So the more this wicked people continue to do what they're doing, then the, the more the righteous gets brackled down. So I'm horrified. So now I'm crying to you. He, he's crying, but he's very specific. When you pray to God, give a specific request. When I pray for God, when it comes to this church, I say, God, let us make a difference. There are people in Acres Home dying. Something must be wrong with us, God. How could the crime, and I, I keep going forgetting to go research it, if the crime is increasing in Acres Home and in this community, there's something wrong with us. You say when the righteous are present, sin is restrained. 
So if we are truly walking right, sin should be restrained, not increased. I was looking at the text of God. What is wrong with us? That, that, that's how, so you, you're going to God with a specific petition. He's saying, God, the violence is getting to me. In other words, I see the corruption in the church, which Jesus Christ pointedly, uh, pointedly responded to. He turned the tables upside down. By the time 400 years, it was worse. I see the corruption in the church, and all I could do is play the instruments and sing when I'm supposed to sing. And I got to keep watching this. That's frustrating to watch the priest be corrupt. No, 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 no. He's not talking to the, the, the members first. He's talking to the leadership first. I see these people corrupt in the temple, doing all kind of corrupt stuff, and all I am as your musician is to play. I got to do my job watching it. Then I go outside and I see violence. When do we get that mad? When do we get that mad? Then only people are dying? How mad are you? How upset? I mean, this, this week, last week, a young man was shot. And he's just 17. How mad does that get, get you? Got a woman who was killed by her husband. Domestic violence is under increase. How mad does that make us? No, no we, we look for cover. This man looks to pray. See, we, we want God to change everything. But when the city of Jerusalem was falling apart, Nehemiah did something. That's why there was change. We just want to have church. But expect God to do all the work while we pray for cover. And God is going, no. Get out there. Pray fast. Let me see how much it bothers you by the way you behave. The change that takes place is because there was change in your heart that I put in there and that change was so rich and so true that it fired you up to want to do something about it. How many people are, how many times we have to say go to the outreach center and when we, people get fired up and they go and then they disappear in three weeks. But then we complain about our community. Oh, the crime in Houston is so bad. Well, how do we pray? There are more good officers than bad officers. There really is. And now we can't say just white officers are beating up on black people. We can't say that no more. Hello. Could I get a witness? So it's the culture. Our families are falling apart. We are part of the problem. We're part of the problem. I've always said that. I don't look at the issue and blame society. You know, my, my sons and I used to get into this argument. And we get into this argument. And they knew not to ever bring it to me ever again. Dad, you know, my dad, you know, I would, everybody in school is doing this. And so, you know, I can't be just walking around school like I'm some Christian guy. Because this makes me look so crazy. And I go through this argument back and forth. I was looking at them, they're talking. Ah, they're going back and forth because I, I, kids taught me to listen. Sometimes we don't listen to our kids. They, they're not adults. So when they talk, they're supposed to talk like a fool. 
the Bible is telling us they are fools. So they're going to sound foolish. I don't know why we're going, why do they sound like that? I thought I raised you better. No, the Bible says they're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and foolishness is in their heart. So they're going to sound foolish. So when my son was sounding foolish, I just know I had a lot more work to do. That's all I did. I just said to myself, ooh, I still got work to do. Girl. You know, what are we going to do with this kid? Because he's sounding foolish. So we're going back and forth, and I say, son, listen, if you walk into that school and you become somebody else, I want you to forget the name of Kennings. What are you talking about, Dad? That name has history. Let me tell you about that history. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Let me tell you about that history. And, when, and at the end of the day, don't come in here and tell me about no girl. You ain't married to her yet. And if you get into trouble, the cops going to show up at this house. As long as they're going to show up at this house, you're going to listen to me. And this is how it's going to function. I am not expect. I don't want to hear about Jersey Village. I want to hear about my sons at Jersey Village being who God want them to be. That makes you a man. But if you're going to do what everybody says, you are not going to be a man. You stay a boy. The reason why some of us are frustrated and upset is because we keep letting the world tell us how to behave, how to act, how to function. We even don't have an appetite for God or the word of God. We don't even have an appetite to the word of church. The world has so got us going that when we come to church, we need the music to sound like the world. Because if the music don't sound like the world, then man, it ain't popping up in here. Satan got our taste buds so riveted to what is taking place out there, we can't even enjoy worship because he's trained us to listen to different kind of music. Understand, we have become more like the world and the world is being changed because of us being more like Christ. And that's what Christ is focused on. That's what God is talking about. Yes, you're crying out of backup, but don't act like you don't think I'm doing nothing. You think I could sit back and watch this and not do something? And that's why faith is tested. When these times are going on, God is just testing us. How would you respond? How would you act? How, how would you get into this situation and become a difference? How would you function based on the word of God about how you feel, how you think, how you want to be? How would you operate when I call you to deny yourself and pick up a cross? What do you do? Or you become a part of the problem because you wouldn't do it. That's why he says faith is tested. Look at what he does to him in verse 3. He says, why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? He says, you, because of your, look, look, watch this carefully. Because you're walking with me, you're growing up in me, because you know the word, you know when their words are wrong, so you're able to see. The word see means, the word means see means to know. You, you, you come to a point where you know. Standard example for me is when I, my car broke down and my, I had a, a hoopty, hoopty, hoopty. As I explained to y'all, I know I had a hoopty when the trunk was no longer used for luggage. It was used for spare belts, water, oil, everything else. But it was not anything in a trunk that has anything to do with travel because we're not going very far. Somebody asked me that one day when they opened my trunk. said, man, you got a whole lot of stuff in here, tools, everything. Where are you going? I don't plan to go very far, that's for sure. So my car broke down. I honestly didn't know what was wrong with it. I called somebody. The guy in the car says, hey, Cannings, man, you ain't going to get out and open up the hood. I'm not trying to impress you. I have no clue what is wrong with this car now. I've, the belts have been changed. I've gotten all the holes changed. I've gotten all these different things done to make sure this car keep running. But something went out, and it sounded like something I don't know nothing about. He said, what are you going to do? I pulled over, and I called somebody. 
I called somebody who wasn't that far away. I said, man, would you come and check this car out for me? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. I told you come anytime you, you, you will need help, man. And, and I'm, it's perfect timing. So I said, thank you, Jesus. You already answered my prayer before I got pulled over. So I pulled over. He comes in there and he says, oh, it's nothing much. We just got to change the starter. And I could do that right here. He said, I, I said, that's the difference between a person who's driving the park car and a person who knows how it works. What God is saying is, you're at the temple. You're in the temple. You, you, you see, you know worship, you know music, you know the songs. But you don't see until I let you see what's under the hood. You don't know what is going on. So Habakkuk is telling us implicitly, God was the one who opens my eyes to see what is under the hood. And now that he's letting me see what is under the hood, it's making me more mad. Because he's opened my eyes to see what wickedness looks like. You know what wickedness is? Wickedness is the most deceitful way of doing something. The person so knows what God is saying that they know how to work their way around everything God is saying because they want to do what they want to do, but they exactly know what God is saying, so they're going to work their way around by finding every legitimate reason to not do what God is saying. That's wickedness. That's why he's angry, because God has opened up his eyes to see the word of God. The word of God is smack dab in front of him now. And he's seeing how the priests are walking right around it, doing something that looks so legitimate, so beautiful. When the people show up, they're doing all these wonderful things that look so great, but it's not based on the Levitical law. He's, he's watching people in the world, how they corruptly do business, and it looks so legitimate. But they, they know the word of God, but they're legitimately going right back behind it to work their way around that's wickedness and that is the wickedness that makes God angry you never want to be in a place of wickedness he's a gracious God he's a kind God but when he responds it is not nice and he's telling us it's not going to be nice look at verse 6 for behold I'm raising up the Chaldeans they're fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. You're going to be wicked, I'm going to take it from you. Right. Watch this carefully. He says, I'm raising them up, meaning I got to get these young boys to become 18, 19, 20 before they come fight you. I got to make sure that they got the, the proper economy to buy the weapons they need to buy so that they could be ready to bring their army with all these beautiful chariots and everything else to come against you. That takes time. So when you think I ain't doing nothing, I'm letting the enemy who's going to come take from you get enough power to come get you. So when you think I'm just walking around lackadaisically doing nothing, I am waiting for the enemy to come get you because I already condemned you. That's why he's saying, faith will be tested. That's why he's saying, I, I, he's letting us see. We know what's right. We know what God is saying. We've been in a teaching church. We know exactly what God is saying in this church, if you've been around here long enough. To walk out the door and not do it is another word in here called evil. Evil is when, wickedness is when I'm working around it. Evil is when I'm going to take that work around to hurt somebody. I don't care who I hurt. This is where I is. This is where I am. So now I have the power to be wicked because I'm smart enough to work around the issue. Now I could take my work around and get to somebody. Because what are they going to do to me legitimately? I could give them every reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and it sounds so right. But I know it, don't viol it violates the word of God. 
But it sounds very right. It makes very much sense to those who are going to sit back and go, that makes sense to me. You know how people like to be? Man, you're right. That makes sense. Now that I make sense, and I got enough people behind me making sense, now I'm going to go hurt somebody. Evil. I know I'm hurting people. I don't care. I got everybody seeing why I'm doing what I'm doing. He says, your faith will be tested as to whether or not this is true. And that's the reason why, that's the reason why, it's, you know, I look at our community. And I know I'm no longer invited to those meetings. So I decided I'm going to start showing up. I don't care who hates me. I'm going to start showing up. I'm going to start trying to find time in my schedule to walk right up in them. And look, I say, what are we doing different? I mean, preachers, we got preachers with women. We got preachers divorcing and preachers who don't take care of their kids. Preachers who are homosexual. Preachers who are lesbian. Preachers who want to just build big churches, not build big lives. We want all the benefits of ministry. So how are we fixing the problem? How are we stopping the violence? How are we doing anything that would make a difference? When all we do every Sunday is have church. When you start talking about being the church, you're a Dallas seminary or you put you in a box. You got them white folk around you telling you stuff. You want to put us in a box. If you go to the white community, you're Malcolm X or, or Martin Luther King. Paul, you're being radical in how you look at this. So now I'm Malcolm X, huh? Everybody gets put in a box when you're just fighting for the truth. What is the truth? What does God want? What is the church about? What is the church supposed to be about? God says he opened his eyes, but even when he opens his eyes, he's sending Habakkuk, I don't need you to do nothing because I'm already doing a lot or something. What's this last verse? What's this last verse here? Look at verse 5. He says, I, I opened your eyes, but I I'm at work. Look at how he's at work. Look among the nations. Take a look. Observe. Turkey's blown, gone to bits. Ukraine is in a war where the ruthless man is blowing up people in apartment complexes. You, 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 to take a look at the nations. China, amassing wealth all around the world. When I travel, China is everywhere. China is buying up the world, causing the world to owe them so much money. The world is in their pockets. You go to, you go to the Bahamas, they were building a hotel and caused the nation of Bahamas to have to hire their people in the building process. You just travel around into Africa, they're buying up places in Africa, making Africa have to owe them money. China's everywhere. It's putting out tentacles everywhere. If you start looking at the Bible and see when the Antichrist will come together and what nations it would raise up, say, so take a look. This is go in the nations. You keep fighting about what you're seeing, like I'm not doing nothing. 
I open your eyes to see the word of God. When I open the eyes to see the word of God, take a look. He says, so folks, just take a look today. Open your eyes. God ain't doing nothing. Open your Bible. See what he's going to do in the last days and take a look. He says, he says, right here, he says, take a look and be astonished. You, you lose your mind in it. It was funny. Habakkuk is asking him, he's commanding him. When God shows up, he's not asking for us to agree. He don't care if we agree. This is what I'm going to do. So go ahead and let me show you what I'm going to do, what I'm already doing. So before you start doubting whether or not I'm going to come do what I'm going to do, read your Bible and take a look. And I'm commanding you to take a look. Just in case you don't believe I'm going to do nothing, just take a look. I watch the African-American community. We've gotten our freedoms. And look at what we're doing with their freedoms. Look at our young people that are doing with their freedoms. They're not even thinking about going to school when they fought for people to go to school. Look at our young people today. We are raising our young people to make sure they don't have it as hard as we are. We had it. Now they don't want to do nothing. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to get up from the bed. They don't want to go clean the house. They don't want to do nothing because they don't, we don't want it to have it as hard as they we had it. Uh-uh. Let them have it as hard. Let them, let them work through some stuff. Let them take out the trash. Let them clean their room. Let them wash the car. Let them do some work. We got our young people today, they ain't doing nothing. And so the minute you start telling them to do something, why you got to be hard like that? We're raising our kids now in our world to just take their freedoms for granted. And we are not doing anything with it. We got kids going to school, and we want the teachers to be parents. Teachers ain't parents. They're supposed to do their job of teaching. The schools in the urban community are struggling because the teachers can't teach. And we don't want to talk about that stuff. We get upset. Why are we talking about our kids? We're already struggling. Why you got to bring it up? Fix it. Our kids are going to school. Do you know what the highest dropout rate is in this community? Fix it. I try to have an after-school program. Honey wants to help me with it. I try to do a summer program. I can't find anybody to help me. I'm done teaching, Pastor Cannon. I'm done. I ain't trying to do no more. We got kids dropping out because they're so far behind. Let the church get a chance to pull them together during the summer, get them back on their grade, teach them to love God, to walk in the holiness of God, to walk in the righteousness of God, send them back to the school districts so they don't drop out. Because when they drop out, the juvenile rate goes up and then there's all kinds of issues taking place. But we want to just come to church and sing a few songs and go, home because I want to go to heaven. We don't want to do the hard work of listening and doing what God says. We just want this easy life. We want the, the American dream and God is our vehicle to get blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed when we come when we go and God is going, I am a blessing. Once you have me, I am a blessing. Once I walk with you, I am a blessing. I don't have to give you stuff to be a blessing. I am a blessing. irritating to watch us God ain't saying I command I, I'm commanding you while the people are apathetic lackadaisical walk in this temple don't do nothing I'm at work I'm coming after you I'm coming after you you think I ain't coming after you how could I not come after you when I who I, when I am who I am I'm coming after you oh man he says because I am doing something you're in your day in your day, you would not believe if I told you. 
I told you? If I give you the whole story, you ain't going to believe what I'm about to do. Oh, man, he's given us the story. That's the funny thing about our time. In our day, we have the story. The Bible is complete. It's done. We have the story. We have Romans 1. We have Revelation. We have Ezekiel and Daniel. We have all these books in the Bible that has made this clear what it's going to be like in the last day. They're going to be violence. You think this violence are bad right now? They're going to be violence. He says, well, what about the church, God? He says, okay, you're a part of the problem. Five churches failed because they wouldn't address the tough issues in the church. They wouldn't come into church and say, no, you are sinning against God. We got to address it. That's why he said, I'm walking out of that church. You got churches that when the Bible says to love your enemy, they walk to the next pew. They go to the next side of the church. They ain't loving an enemy. The Bible is saying, I see that going on in your church. That's why I'm walking out of the church. The Bible says that you teach whatever doctrines make people happy. Make people dance and get excited because you're making them happy. And they got the tickling of the ears. You keep doing that. So guess what? I'm walking out of that church. The Bible is saying, listen, you want to bring people to church? Oh yes, you want to get the rich people in the church. The people that got the money. You got the people that are doing this and then you want to be corrupted by all of that. That's why I'm leaving that church. Oh, you want to be the hype church. Got the music going, popping, singing, going on. I'm going to leave that church. But the church that seemed insignificant in Philippians, that church loves, that church walks with me. That church, no matter what problems it goes through, it sticks with my word. That church is with a church that I want to highlight. I'm going to take the names of the people from that church. I'm going to put it on the temple walls. I'm going to make that church a great church, not just on earth, but in heaven. So when you look at that church and you think that church is about nothing, when you come to heaven, I'm going to tell you about the church of Philadelphia. Because that church made a difference. Because that church did not put up with false doctrine. It didn't put up with immorality. It didn't put up with sin. It didn't stand up. It stood up in the community. And it's in spite of the attacks against it in the community, it stood strong for me. That's the church I'm going to model. I am talking loud. What do we have for churches today? Singspirations. I am talking loud. You could be anything in the church today. You could be homosexual. You could divorce. You could have your girlfriend in one pew and the wife in the next pew. You could do whatever you want in the church today. People could be any kind of stuff. People could wear a dress when they're a man and play the piano today. And we go, oh, I love his voice or her voice. We don't even know how to define what gender from the next today. And we allow it in the church. We don't care. What we're going to do is going to have church. Now we want to know why things are bad. God is going. I can't find anybody good. So that when righteousness is present, sin can be restrained. The issue isn't the world today. The crime, the racism, the police violence. All these different things are taking place. Because we, I love what he says to Hosea. Those who are silent. I'm Amos. Those who are silent in chapter 5 are the ones who are complicit with all the evil that is in the earth. Because they stay silent. They don't say nothing. They don't want nobody mad. They just want everybody to keep coming. And because they stay silent, they become complicit with all the evil that is taking place. I ask this question. When did you get mad 
and change your time, your agenda of your life, to start being viable, to make the church productive and great so that God's name would be a blessing in this community and around the world. When did you get mad enough to give God that kind of attention in prayer, that kind of riveted prayers, that kind of passion in prayer, that kind of service before God, like a back in the temple would keep crying out to God, go stand in a tower waiting for God to say something to him. Where is that passion today? Because that passion is what saved Hobacca's life. That passion is what saved Rahab's life. That's the passion that turned the world around. Even though the world was going crazy, those people still lived. Those people still made a difference. Those people still caused God to have a name that was glorified because no matter what was going wrong in their life, they stayed doing what God called them to do in their life. Those people made a difference. It is the Davids that stood in front of Goliaths. It's the Daniels that refused to turn and end up in a lion's den. It is the people who no matter what God told them, they kept going to the Gentiles. No matter how beaten they were, how shipwrecked they were, how imprisoned they were, they kept going. So we can read half the New Testament today. Those are the people that made a difference. They didn't just let the world corrupt them. They became a part of changing the corruption and making it productive. Because they didn't play church. They became the church. What are you doing today? What difference are you making? What sacrifices do you make for the name of Christ? What? Hey, one thing. As long as the Lord allowed me to stand, I'm going to fight for you too. He may be delayed, but God is not in denial. And he will not be disrespected. He will win. He just has a different way to fight. And without soldiers, he didn't ask Jews to help him fight. He says, I will fight. And I will bring whatever enemy I choose to destroy you. But did he destroy everybody? No, he saved those who were righteous. Let us stand. I'm going to be honest and blunt with y'all. I don't see racism as the problem. I just don't. Has white people done a lot of things? Yeah. But we are doing a lot of things too. And I'm not going to be so partisanship and so into the history of this country that I forget that we're hurting ourselves right now. We're committing crimes against each other. We could be as hateful to each other as anybody else. I have seen African Americans turn on my son in business. African, he went after an African American to do business together. And that person ran in when the big contract was supposed to be signed, took his name off the contract and fired him when he was the one that got this black person a contract to do that job. That person wasn't even in the picture. My son just decided, let me do work with another African-American company so we could do it together and build a good name in this city. And that black person went in, got the contract, signed it, took the contract with him, and called my son a week later saying, I can do this on my own. That was a black person with a black person. 
we do evil things. And I'm not going to hide from that. Does racism still exist? Yes. I've trained my kids. I've told them, don't be a part of the problem. Don't let nobody talk you down. All my grandkids will tell you. And I sit down with them. No, you are intelligent, but you make your way on being who God gave you the ability to be. So if somebody doesn't like you, they may not like you, but at least cause them to respect you. Even if they don't like you, let them have a reason to respect you. And that may change their hearts rather than just words. But don't be evil. Don't go out hurting somebody else. You should fight for your own and fight for everybody else too. Do you know the best people sometimes in my life as to why I stand here today have been white people? I'm being frank with you. There's a white person that saw talent in me as a kid at Skyline High School and worked their way through Austin College to get me into school. All the, all the counselors just mocked me. Boy, you don't have money? How you can go to college? You haven't applied for any scholarships. I was new in America. I didn't know nothing. I don't know about no scholarships. But that white lady did that for me. That white lady made sure I was registered and set up and taught me about all the scholarship programs, sat me down, taught me about all the scholarship programs, taught me about all the grants that are out there, taught me all that stuff so I knew how to go and get those funds to be standing here today with a bachelor's degree. So while I, when, and, and the blacks at Skyline hated me because you talk funny. They literally stood there and said, you talk funny. I upset them so much because I was from a different country that a young man tried to stab me in the music room because you just put us back. You make white people think of us as nothing because you talk funny. You don't even, you don't even do things the same way. So because I didn't function the way he wanted me to, he tried to kill me. Have I seen racism from white people? Absolutely. I went to a school that was mostly white. I was called every name. I was booed onto the soccer field. But I've had a white coach sit in my, off, in, my, in my dorm room saying, Paul, you're a good player. Just play hard and do your job. So I've seen both sides. And we need to stop just looking at the white folks. We're killing each other. We're shooting each other. We need to raise our kids. Take time with them. And I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to stand here and say what you want me to say to please you. I'm going to look at the facts. I'm going to look at the Bible. And we're going to do exactly that. Like they say, we got issues. Just take a minute. Go down to one of the schools. Watch how we fight one another. Black on black. This man was fighting for his nation. He wouldn't talk about the Chaldeans. God brought in the Chaldeans. But he loved his people. And he was willing to look at his people for who they were. 
to cry out to God to be a difference. That's what I want to pray over all of you. 